Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. So I'm just going to share for a few moments here with you. Once again, we're not moving into any teaching series. I'm sure the Lord will, will stir for that soon. But what I want to speak with you today is entitled The Fruit of Wrestling. I wonder if there's anything to do with what you shared with me, the fruit of, of wrestling. Any of you know the story of Jacob? You know that there was an incredible counter, encounter where Jacob wrestles with an angel of the Lord, an angel of the covenant. So I'm going to ask that you would turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. This is entitled, The Fruit of Wrestling. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the history of Jacob. There's a lot to it, but I do want to give you a little bit of, of context here because it's important. How many of you have ever read through the story of Jacob? I'm just curious. All right, so this is actually a pretty new story for a lot of people. That's good. That's good. So Jacob's parents are Isaac and Rebekah. And Rebekah was childless, and so Isaac had prayed and she became pregnant with two boys, Esau and Jacob. And they really were at war since the womb, wrestling with one another. And God said that, that it would actually be the older who's going to serve the younger, which is very uncommon in this culture. And so Esau comes out first. Jacob is actually comes out grabbing onto his heel. That's where the name Jacob comes from, grabber or deceiver. And he grabs his heel. And long story short, as they grow up, Jacob deceives Esau in many ways, steals his birthright, and then goes on when Isaac is in his old age and can't really see well, Isaac is ready to bless Esau, which is such a big deal in this, in this, in this culture. He's going to bless his son, the eldest, but, uh, but uh, Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, go through this elaborate plan to steal that blessing. And ultimately, because Isaac can't see, he winds up blessing Jacob. The problem is Jacob can't walk in that blessing because he received it through deceit. So he has to go on the run. He can't enjoy it, and so he leaves. And I just want to share this incredible. The promised child is running from the promised land, and God meets him in that place. God meets him, and he calls it the place of Bethel. And you know what God meets him with? He meets him with a promise and with grace. And he tells him and reminds him that the same promise that Abraham and Isaac had, it still holds true for you. And Jacob says in that place, he says, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I was not aware of it. That's one of my favorite verses because I believe what he's saying is, I'm on the run. I have deceived someone. I am fleeing, and yet God has met me in this place. I couldn't imagine that God would meet me here. A long story short is Jacob winds up fleeing to his uncle Laban's house where, ironically, he winds up getting deceived from Laban. He wants to marry his daughter, uh, Rachel. But he winds up, after seven years of working for Laban, he switches and gives him Leah. And so he works another seven years to get Rachel. Now he has both of them. And then they get into this feud of who's going to have more kids with Jacob. And they bring in other, their, their servants. And all of a sudden, Jacob has four wives, and he's got 12 kids. And you know that's how the 12 tribes of Israel started? God's, God is a funny God. The way he uses our, our mistakes and all of our things, he, he used that to birth the 12 tribes of Israel. Long story short, Jacob has to flee. Laban comes after him. He winds up having grace and favor from Laban, but now, but now he's getting ready to enter back to the promised land and meet Esau, his brother, who he had so, so, so deceived early on in his life. It's 20 years from then. But before that, I just want to share to give you some context. 
there is an incredible encounter that, that Jacob has with the Lord. And this is where it is in Genesis chapter 32. We'll start in verse 22. And it says this. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone. Good things happen when we get alone. When we get alone with the Lord, it's most likely that he put things away so that he could be alone to pray with the Lord. Good things happen when we get alone with the Lord and begin to seek his face. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, listen to this, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob answered, uh, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome Jacob said, please tell me your name, but he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. They always having so much fun in there. <laughs> I want to just speak briefly with you the fruit of wrestling. What I saw is God was speaking something really personal to me in my life. I noticed that God was calling me into these seasons just this week of wrestling with him for all different reasons, to dig deeper, to pursue him, to have a hunger for him. I just believe, what I want to speak really, real simple with you is I just hope to stir up some faith and some hunger to be like Jacob, to say, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. God, I'm not going to let go until I see you move. God, until I know you more. God, I want to know your ways. I believe that's just simply what God was placing on my heart. And I've noticed that we get in these seasons where God begins to call us deeper like this. It happened with me even with this word. I was wrestling with the word of God, what you want me to share? And I was just ready to be like, man, I don't even know. And God, I just felt call, calling me to wrestle with him. And in that, God began to birth this word even today. And I want you to know that there's such a blessing, such a fruit. When we become a people that hunger and pursue and run after God, there's something so, so powerful there. And real simple is I just pray that we would stir a faith, that we'd be known as a people who are willing to wrestle with God, who are willing to seek after him, who are willing to give everything that we have. And before I get into this call of, of going deeper with the Lord, I want to just share this, this aspect of wrestling that the Lord highlighted. I think often we are taught that in the Christian faith, it is, it's disrespectful to wrestle with God, to question God. It's disrespectful to... to uh, to lay out our fears and worries before him and to say, God, why are you doing this? But in actuality, if you look throughout the scriptures, God invites and delights people to wrestle with him. From beginning to end, we see men and women that come before him and say, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on right now? God, I don't understand you. Jeremiah is one of the best cases ever. Jeremiah 12, 1. Jeremiah goes to the Lord and says, I know you're holy. I know you're righteous. But why are those that are doing evil prospering around me? I don't understand. Am I doing this all in vain? God calls us to wrestle with him. Do you know what it says in Isaiah? He says, come, let us reason together. 
It actually means, come, let us argue this out. God loves us to bring our fears, our worries, our concerns, our questions. He's not looking us for us just to give the simple right Christian answer. He wants you to have a deep and personal faith where you know that you know that he's God. But that happens in the wrestling. Many times I've found that my faith, I've applied it or walked it out like, like when you sign up for something and it tells you to read the policy and guidelines. And no one ever reads that. You just check, I've read it, so you can get whatever it is you're trying to get. But God wants us to have a real faith with him. He wants us to wrestle these things through with him. He wants us to seek after him. And here's the first thing I want to share with you. This is the greatest blessing of when we wrestle with God, when we become hungry for a touch of God, when we become hungry for an encounter with God. You may not always get the answer you like. You may get the answer you like. You may not. Sometimes you may just get silence. But in the end... Our wrestling always produces one thing. We get God himself. And that is the most important blessing that we could have. At the end of this match with Jacob and the the angel of the Lord, at the end of it, it said that he had seen the Lord face to face. His wrestling produced intimacy. And I want you to know, when you wrestle with God, I mean, really, when you seek him, when you have hardship in your life, you're saying, why did this happen? Why did I go through this? God says, come to me with that. You may not even get the answer you want, but one thing you have is God himself. And you will be able to walk out of there saying, it is well with my soul because I have him. I have the source of life. I have the source of peace. I have the source of joy. And even if I can't understand it, it is well with my soul. Do you know that the same word that Jacob used for face-to-face, it's the same word that's used for my presence When Moses said, God, who are you going to send with me? And he says, my presence will go with you. In other words, God says, you may not always know what it's going to look like. You may not know how it's all going to work out. But here's your one guarantee. I am with you. And my presence is enough. But I I believe, I believe that there's a call that, that I just sense something in my own life. And I feel like in this body that we are so, so close to seeing such a, such a move of God. We, we were experiencing, but I, I, I'm telling you, there's something brewing. Uh, those that have been praying and, and leaders, we, we sense it, that there's really something special here. The, the presence of God in every service is growing, and I really believe God was putting us on my heart because he, he, wants, he wants us to have all of it. I just believe that there's a whole other level of what God wants to experience with him, but it's found in the wrestling. It's found in those that are hungry for him. Do you know that God fills hungry people? God fills hungry people. If you are hungry, if you thirst for righteousness, God is going to fill you. Jeremiah 33.3, listen to this scripture, says this. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. What a promise that God gives to us. He says, call to me, seek me, come after me, pursue me, and I will reveal to you things that you cannot search for. You cannot find them anywhere else. I will reveal to you the riches of who I am if you would be a people that call to me. And there is something burning in my heart these last few weeks where I am desiring to encounter and experience God. I want all that God has for me, and I want you guys to have all that God has for you. I'm not just speaking about a salvation moment. I praise God for the saving of a soul, but I sense that God is trying to take us from that to something deeper And it requires those that would be willing to wrestle with him. There is a certain fruit that can only be found in wrestling. For those that are willing to endure the cost of wrestling. In the book of Hosea, 
it gives some scripture about this story with Jacob, and it says this about him in Hosea chapter 12, verse 4. It says that he, he wept and he begged for his favor, meaning this wrestling match. There's, there's a cost in this wrestling. Jacob wrestled with God. He wept. He begged for his favor. And in the end, God had blessed him. Now, for Jacob, it was probably favor to not be overtaken by his brother Esau, but regardless, the point is that each and every one of us find ourselves in a place in which God is calling us to hunger, to seek after him, to wrestle with him, to do the very thing that he needs, that we need him to do in our life. And I just want to share this before we move forward. This is not a, this is not a legalistic striving. As, I want to be clear on that. This is not a legalistic, dead, empty, moralistic striving. This is a a faith-filled, love-driven hunger for more of God. Jesus Christ has pursued us and set us free, and he's calling us to pursue him now with the freedom that he has given us. And there is so much more. I'll share some stories. There's a book called Defining Moments by Bill Johnson. It's totally wrecking me. It's just literally stories of men and women of the faith that have gone before us. I encourage you to get this book. There's so much that God wants to do in and through each and every one of us. If we would be a people that would come after him and pursue him, we will see the glory of God work through our lives. It's the cry of the Apostle Paul who said everything is rubbish compared to knowing Jesus Christ. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. God is looking for wrestlers. God is looking for people with that tenacity that say, God, my life, passion, and pursuit is to take hold of that for the reason you've taken hold of me. God begins to reveal and unleash the riches of who he is, unsearchable things for those that are hungry. And the key in this, I believe, is verse 26 to share uh, in terms of what is this wrestling. It says the man of the angel of the Lord, the angel of the covenant said, let me go for it is daybreak. But listen, I can't put into words what God shared with me here, but, but Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Listen to me. There is something, there is something that that attitude, that hunger for God that says, I'm not going to let you go, God. I'm not going to stop pursuing you. I'm not going to stop coming after you, God, until you do this thing, God. I want to know you. I want to see you, God. I want to taste you. God, I if you have more for me, I don't want to settle here. There's something in that, that that mentality, that attitude that God blesses. It's the persistent widow in Luke 18 who kept coming again and again and again until the judge finally granted her what she wanted. And God says, if an unjust judge would do that, how much more of your father? It's Matthew 7 where it says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. And then it says, anyone that asks, it will be given. Anyone that seeks, they will find. Anyone that knocks, the door will be open. You hear that progression? It gets closer and closer and closer from asking to seeking to knocking. God says, if you would do that, I will open the door to things that you cannot even imagine. That's what I feel like God is, is breathing into my spirit to speak. Just a whole nother level with God. How many remember Jesus on the road to Emmaus? And he met these two disciples after Jesus had died. I want you to listen to this. This is really important. After, after Jesus had died and was resurrected, 
It was two of his disciples were, were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It was a seven-mile road, and they were completely discouraged and broken because they thought Jesus was who he says he was, but now they, they don't know. And, and long story short, Jesus comes and meets them, right? This is before he ascends, and they can't recognize who he is. And, and Jesus asking, what's going on? And they said, you haven't heard about what happened? And he's basically saying, man, you have little faith. Don't you know what the scriptures say? And the greatest Bible study ever took place right there. He took them through Mo Moses, through the prophets, and shared how all of the scriptures point to who Jesus Christ is. But then, this is the key, at the end, Jesus said he was going to go on further. But these two men, it says that they urged him strongly. They constrained him to stay with them. And in the end, shortly after that, Jesus comes in the house, they break bread, and they have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Listen to me. He has ears to hear. Let, hear this. They're constraining. They're urging strongly to not let him go led to a revelation of him that they desperately needed. When we constrain for him, when we urge to hold on to him and say, Jesus, I'll shift my life. I'll do whatever it takes. I want to know you. I want to know your power. I don't want to be an outsider to the scriptures. I see the way you moved, and I believe that's for today. When we constrain him like that, it opens the door for a revelation of who Jesus Christ is in a greater way. It's the same thing that took place in Samaria. Do you know when Jesus came to the woman at the well? Do you know how she first addressed Jesus? He said, she said, you're, just a, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. That's, all, that's how she addressed him. And then she spent more time with him. And she called him, sir. And then she spent more time with Jesus at the well. And Jesus began to tell her all the things she had done. And she said, wow, I recognize you're a prophet. And then she spent more time with Jesus. And you know what she said at the end? This is the Messiah. As she spent more time in the presence of God, she received a greater revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And it completely and radically changed her life. And I'm calling us as a body to be a hungry people, to be a people that would wrestle with God, that like, like Jacob, when the, when the angel of the Lord says, let me go, he says, I'm not letting you go. I want all that you have for me. I need you to bless me. God, God responds and loves to see that type of faith. And there's always more. If you're sitting here right now, say, yeah, but I've, I've arrived. No, no, no. There's always more. God is infinite. He wants to keep taking us deeper and deeper and deeper. Whoever would make that sacrifice and walk with them like that. God wants to remove, uh, reveal more and more of who he is. When Jesus died on the cross, he tore the veil to enter into the Holy of Holies. He gave us access into the most intimacy with God the Father. And I'd say this, don't you dare settle in the outer courts. Don't you dare settle in the outer courts when Jesus has made a way for us to have the most beautiful, purest of intimacy with him. God is calling us to wrestle with him, to grab hold of him. And in that, God will show us the riches of who he is. So three quick things I want to share with you from this fruit that I see. The first is when we wrestle with God, this is so important, we develop a faith of our own. Look at this scripture. Can you, Christy, put this up, Genesis 32.9? I want to share this real quick. Genesis 32.9. Listen to this. This is before the wrestling match. It says, Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father, God of my father, uh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. All right, did you hear that? He said he's the God of Abraham, he's the God of Isaac. 
Genesis 31, 42. Listen to this. This is before this wrestling match. Don't miss this. In verse 42, it says, If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. There are multiple scriptures in which Jacob references God as the God of Abraham, and he's the God of Isaac. But then something profound happens after he wrestles with the Lord. In the very next chapter, chapter 33, after this wrestling match, he meets Esau. Do you know what he does? In Genesis 33, verse 20, look what it says. It says, there he set up an altar and called it El Elohi Israel, which means mighty God of Israel, which is the name that Jacob received after he wrestled, which means prior to his wrestling, God was the God of Abraham. He was the God of Isaac. But when, when Jacob began to hunger for God and Jacob began to wrestle with God and said, don't leave me until you bless me, God. When that began to happen, he walked down on the other side with saying, he's not just the God of Abraham anymore. He's not just the God of Isaac. He is the God of Israel. He is my God now. I have tasted him. I have wrestled with him. And he is my personal God. In Job 42.5, the same thing happens. Job goes through this whole wrestling with God. You, if you read it, you probably know it. It was just crazy what he went through. And he has this encounter with God through it. And at the end, he says, my ears had heard of you, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. Well, how many of us have heard of God? We've heard the testimonies. We've been around church. We've come around all these places over and over. We've heard of it. But God wants you to experience him and see him with your very own eyes. He wants you to be the God of you. Exodus 3.6, pull it up here. I want you to see this. Exodus 3.6 says this. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He was addressing Moses right here. And this is what the Lord showed me. This was something that was very, it was eternal, right? God is the same God of all these men. But listen, he encounters them so personally. Each and every one of them had their own personal encounter with him. God just doesn't want to be the God of Abraham. He doesn't want to just be the God of Isaac. He doesn't want to just be the God of Andrew. He doesn't want to just be the God of Crystal. He doesn't want to just be the God of home church in your life. God wants to be the God of you. He wants you to be able to walk out and say, you are my God. And that happens through the wrestling. I read many stories of men of God that I genuinely love and, and respect. But that's what God was sharing with me lately. It's good to do that. But he says, I, I'm not just the God of the Bill Johnsons. <laughs> I'm not just the, the God of the David Wilkerson's. He says, I, I want to be your God. He is the eternal God that dealt with them in such a personal way, and he wants to have a personal encounter with you. It's the idea of Jesus speaking with the disciples. And when he speaks to them, he says, who do people say that I am? And they say, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah the prophet. Some say you're, you're just any prophet. And he says, but who do you say I am, Peter? Who do you say I am? God wants to become a personal, personal God. He wants, he sees this body as a whole. He's the only one who can see this body as a whole and yet see us so, each individual here. He wants each and every one of you to have a personal encounter with him. The second thing I want to share with you is that he transforms us in this. It says that his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. So he was once a deceiver 
And now he has become the one who struggles with God and overcomes. This personal encounter with God led to a breakthrough and transformation. When God changes a name, he changes the very character of the person. Listen to this. Isaiah 43.1 says this. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. God created Jacob, but he formed Israel. It's in the wrestling that God forms us. It's in the wrestling that God forms us. In my side of the family, uh, my crystal side of the family, do you know that we have, I wouldn't say it's a tradition. It's not a tradition. <laughs> it's a way to save money. We all have boys on my side of the family, right? It started with Caden. and said, this is great. We, we kept all of Caden's clothes, and, and for those clothes, we, we, we kept them, and then when Crystal's middle sister had a, had a son, we gave her all of those clothes and passed it down to, to her son, and so on and so forth, and now it came back to us, and we had Gabriel, and we're like, this is actually awesome. It saved us a lot of money. We have these huge bins of clothes coming back. The one I feel bad for is Silas, who's probably going to get six babies down because now we have so many boys. Every white shirt is really an off yellow now, so I don't know how much can, can, you know, that she's going to be able to keep, but, but here's the reality. God is not looking for us to have this hand-me-down faith. I want you to hear that. God, God wants you to have a personal account. Our faith is not, is not simply an heirloom that's passed down from generation to generation that, that we are just just kind of comes to us. He wants us to personally encounter it and receive it for yourself, that you could say, this is my God. This is my faith. Our faith is not some souvenir of faith that we just kind of receive and dust off and takes it. No, no. God wants us to have a fresh embrace with him. He wants you to have your own personal encounter with him. And when we have these encounters, it completely transforms us. And here's, here, here's the beautiful thing. Jacob, all these guys, Abraham, Isaac, if I had time, I'd share testimonies of incredible giants of the faith. It's all in that defining, defining moments. Incredible. Smith Wigglesworth, the name himself is just amazing, but I'm talking plumbers. This guy was a plumber who God just wrecked and just walked with such authority and anointing. God can do it to anyone. I want you to know God is no respecter of persons, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means he wants to have an encounter with you like he did with these men. Different, but he wants to be a personal God in your life, and he wants to use you in incredible ways if you'd be willing to wrestle with him. And the last thing I'll share right here, the worship team can come forward as we just get ready for communion. The last thing I want to share right this is not only does it transforms us, but there is a part in which there is a blessing that goes from each generation to each generation. I want to share this. Our wrestling, I believe there's something prophetic that God was sharing with me this week. Our wrestling blesses future generations. And you say, what do you mean? I want to share that scripture, Exodus 3, 6, one more time. Listen to this. When God came to Moses, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And although he's about ready to prepare to have a personal encounter with Moses, what he is saying, though, is everything these men have purchased through their wrestling, you are building off of that now. Don't, don't miss this. They, they earned something through their wrestling. They purchased something. There was a fruit that was produced from their wrestling with God. And as a result, the future generations could receive the fruit of their wrestling with God. Moses was building off of what these other men. He was blessed because these men said yes to the Lord God. And Jacob purchased a name, the name of Israel, that would literally define his people still to this day. And I want you to know that you're wrestling with God. You're willing not to tap out. You're willing to pursue him. 
You're willing to shape your life to put him first. You're willing to come after him, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't know the answer, and you keep coming and saying, God, I'm not going to leave you. That is going to leave a fruit for your family to, to, to reap from. That is going to leave a fruit for your community to reap from. That is going to leave a fruit for the schools here, for every part of for your kids to be able to reap from. We bear the fruit of these men saying yes and wrestling with God. And what they purchase, we are able to walk into that. And God wants to, through you, believe it or not, he wants to purchase territory through you that future generations will be able to build off of. It's a prophetic word for us. That God says, if you would see, if you have eyes to see, this is so much bigger than just our life, what God wants to do. And in the end, this is the most beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, who also had his own wrestling match in the Garden of Gethsemane while he was in agony and wrestled with the Father. And you talk about purchasing something for future generations. Jesus Christ, through his wrestling, purchased the greatest gift ever, eternal life. And I just want you to know that as he has pursued us, he has given us everything we need now to pursue God. My prayer for us is that we would be a people that hunger for God, willing to wrestle with God. And I promise you that if we do that, God is going to reveal and move in our life in new ways that we can't even Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.